the human-centric podcast the podcast all about the talents of today and tomorrow presented by deutsche telekom okay i am so excited about this one svetlana we met kostas who is the ceo of hrvatski telekom in croatia Yeah, it's one of our operations of Deutsche Telekom in Croatia. Kostas Nevis became a CEO from April 2019 and he joined uh, Croatia from the Greece side. But what an episode. I was blown My out. God. Yeah. And what a peak moment when he describes how during COVID they have managed to have like the highest employee satisfaction measurement like ever. Yeah. And it's all because of this it. formula of employee first. Employee first, then customer, then business productivity and performance. And uh, the conclusion of Costas was it actually works. And it works faster. Yeah. It works faster than expected. It's a bit like, listen up everyone else out there, because this is the guy who actually proves that all of this human centricity and like making sure that transparency, empathy, care, inclusion is at the heart of the business strategy actually works. It works out. Absolutely. Gosh, here he is, everyone. Have a listen to this. So here we are in our human-centric universe. Welcome. This is the human-centric podcast. And here we have Hannah and Svetlana being curious about the human centricity behind corporate lingo. And this is time for us to slow down and have a conversation. What do we actually mean behind all the things we say here in the corporate world? And Hannah, listen, I just had a reflection. We are such a big company in DT, right? And it's a fantastic to have an opportunity to slow down and to really discuss with key experts, key leaders and thought leaders, what they actually think, yeah? And what meaning they have put behind the words we have on the strategy. I think it's just fascinating. I so agree. And I also, what I so much love about this idea between us, Svetlana, is taking this conversation also out of the four walls of the Deutsche Telekom home and trying to share it with a larger community. So having seen so many companies from the inside in the last few years is one of the things that I've been really thinking would just benefit everyone right now is to try and open up and have conversations about the challenges that we share and about the ways in which the workplace is becoming so important for actually developing us as humans, right? Absolutely. And today I'm very happy and I'm quite thrilled to have Kostas Nebis with us. I know Kostas for quite some years now in Deutsche Telekom. Kostas comes from Greece and now he's the CEO of one of our operating companies of Deutsche Telekom, Hrvatsky Telekom. I think Kostas is one of the leaders who really believes that employee first, yeah, employee first, and then customer seconds in a way. Yeah? If you, as all people in the company, will actually produce the, something great and good for the benefit of the company. Kostas, hey. Hey, Svetlana. Hey, Hane. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. First of all, I have to admit that I'm a bit humbled with uh, your nice introduction, your nice words, and impressed with your Croatian accent. Well, that's why, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not <laughs> easy. European. Sure. Yeah, Kostas, have you always been like that, putting employees first? Not really, not really. I had to grow in my career. I mean, 
It didn't come naturally, but progressively it built it up. So the fact that I spent more than 20 years now in commercial organizations, in consumer organizations, have helped me develop and evolve into this space. And effectively, I managed to put together my own kind of formula. Uh, one of my passions is maths, and I always try to find the right formula in either personal or business life. So uh, in business, the formula that I kind of worked out uh, is that uh, if you manage to have satisfied and engaged employees, uh, this is a great prerequisite for you to deliver great customer satisfaction. Which in turn, for me to complete the formula, is uh, one of the biggest levers for sustainable growth into the future. So the formula starts from employees, goes into customer satisfaction, and effectively, you're creating the foundation for sustainable growth into the future. So we've got to stop right here. That's so interesting. So the idea that humans, well, it's exactly the same as we're saying, isn't it, are at the core of commercial success. Say more about that. Yeah, in order to connect uh, with your customers, you have to uh, inspire and connect uh, with your people. I mean, we have... uh, are people taking care of their customers, both proactively as well as reactively uh, in all the, the frontline fronts. So in order to deliver good service to your customers, you have to empathize with your people and them to empathize with the customers. So it is a human interaction. And at the end of the day, if you manage to get your employees think uh, proactively and properly address the customers in the front end, this is a, a great lever for you to deliver great satisfaction. And then if customers feel appreciated and respected, they will stay with you. They will spend more of their money with the services that you provide as long as they have value for them. And this is a prerequisite for you to have sustainable growth into the future. Gosh, I love how you just start us off right at the deep end and and take us to the core of where we want to spend today's conversation. We want to explore with you, Costas, the ideas of culture, and how you can create a culture in the workplace that fosters, you know, talent, which is this basic word that we're exploring throughout the whole season here. And we also want to look at how leadership and leadership styles and skills will, and it will, won't it, naturally change and influence how talents feel about themselves and feel about their work and feel about achieving uh, and achieving greatness in the workplace. But Svetlana, you had some questions for him first. Where did you want to take him? Yes, I wanted to connect that formula, which just cost us, you just mentioned to us, employees first, then customer satisfaction, then business productivity into your transformational journey in Harvatsky Telecom. So you came 2019 in April, um, which you had to also get a business turnaround, yeah? So you really had to Mm -hmm. transform the company from inside. And the moment you start really doing it, then pandemic hits, yeah? Then you have, you know, corona and COVID situation, and it puts more pressure on you. So how did you really manage to sustain that smell of the place, that, you know, philosophy which you have in terms of employees, customers, business productivity, via all these months of journey. I wanted just to can take I, you a bit there. Can I barge in straight away and just kind of go, if we are an outside listener listening in for a second, just explain me very, very quickly the facts and figures. Hrvatsky Telecom. How many people? Where is it? What is it? Yeah, it's in Croatia. We have uh, slightly more than 4,000 people in a country of a population of 4 million inhabitants, just uh, the ballpark uh, figures. 
But going back to Svitlana's question, COVID was a true exercise for everybody, testing a number of different uh, things as well as resilience and internal strengths. But for me, the fact that we started our journey, uh, you mentioned 19, so we started the journey back in April 2019 by setting employee satisfaction as a number one priority on a team level and across uh, the entire management team has helped us immensely during Corona. Uh, I can tell you one of the things that I'm extremely proud of is that we have managed to move from uh, the bottom uh, positions of uh, Deutsche Telekom as a company when it comes to employee satisfaction to the top three in slightly more than a year's time. And I can tell you this was extremely important during the COVID times because this was exactly the culture that we have managed to inculcate within the organization that made us take good care of our people uh, during Corona, actually accelerating the satisfaction improvement, and at the same time made our people not only think about our, our colleagues, our employees, but at the same time support our customers with the digital services that we provide, which effectively led to a better satisfaction result, but going a step further to take care of the Croatian society, including stakeholders as well as the public state like governments, strengthening a relationship as their digitization partner. To cut a long story short, despite the number of challenges that COVID has caused to all of us, for us in Hrvatsky Telecom, it has acted like an accelerator in a transformation journey across all the main focus pillars, I would say, of our strategy. Wow. So you are saying that employee satisfaction has gone up during COVID? Historic high levels in the history of this company. We've got to celebrate that. That's amazing. How? How did you do that, Costas? I mean, it's not rocket science dealing with people. You just have to empathize with them. You just have to <laughs> put it in the right context and assign it the right priority. So... Uh, effectively, what we did when we started the transformation journey, starting from the management board and going across all management layers, we spent a lot of time uh, understanding uh, our employees, talking to them, uh, understanding their worries, their concerns, what they expect from us and they're not getting. And then all this we put together into an action plan, an action plan that was an honest action plan because some of the uh, challenges that we're facing we could not address overnight. But we were open and uh, transparent to them. We were communicating very regularly and we were delivering progressively on their expectations. And I can tell you, their appreciation was building up uh, faster than initially we expected, despite the fact that we have not managed to sort out all the you know, long pending issues that they were facing as a result of neglection to a great extent in the last few years. So I'm already so in love with what you're saying. This is the basic idea of listening in. That's what you're saying. Listening mm -hmm. in and tuning in to what people were actually feeling. Mm -hmm. And then creating what you're calling, that's so great, an honest action plan. Exactly. Not an overambitious, but an honest and like down to earth, let's get real about it, action plan. And then transparency in terms yes. of delivery. It's some of the things that we could not address overnight. I mean, we had a number of uh, structural issues from salary gaps, for example, in some part of the organization or some uh, buildings that were not properly looked after. Um, things that, you know, you need to make your calls. You need to put priorities. But being honest and transparent and telling your people that this is where I'm going to start first and this is where I'm going to go next and bear with me, you get a lot of support and appreciation at the same time. And it works. I can tell you, in less than one and a half 
years, we have managed to completely transform the picture of the company internally, and we have now started moving also externally. Because, you know, if you don't have the right engagement level for your employees, it is impossible that you become an attractive employer in the country you operate. And competition is building up higher. So if you do not manage to build within your company appreciation and what we call employer attractiveness, you have no future vis-a-vis all the telco or ICT competition in the local markets. And Croatia is not a huge market that you can you know, get tons of uh, people. So you have to be extremely competitive on the value proposition, on what you have to offer to the young talents that you would like to attract or to keep in your company. You know, I'm just listening and I'm thrilled to hear this story from Rusin and it sounds so easy, right? So you come, love, you transform, so you peel human centricity first and then you produce business results. I understand how difficult, you know, it might feel inside as well to drive the transformation. Costas, going in more into the leadership angle behind that human centricity and putting people first, I understand the action plan which you just mentioned, some concrete actions, buildings, maybe salary, which had to be fixed, and you were super brutal and honest about it, and you were open to fix it. But what about the softer parts, which sometimes are as fundamental as the hard facts? And what I mean, you know, the leadership style. The way we really live and breathe your philosophy, it comes, starts from you as the CEO, but how to really cascade it and how to make sure the whole company embraces that. Can you say something more about that part? Of course. Uh, and as you said, I mean, you can address some of the hard elements uh, in a certain period of time, but if you do not uh, address the soft elements, which could act as an accelerator or to buy you some time until all the hard elements are properly addressed, you have missed out a huge opportunity. Yes, one of the things that we had to address in Hrvatsky Telecom was the distance in between the management, and in particular the management board team and the rest organization. So we were operating in some kind of two isolated worlds. So that was something that I could easily pick up through my first interactions across different parts of the organization. And I try to address leading by example. So spending time with our people, starting from uh, the front line, but going around the organization, having board session, as compared to having them in the boardroom, having them in the places where our employees people were are. living, connecting with them, listening to them. Mm-hmm. This has uh, helped a lot in order for us to start uh, presenting uh, the management of this company, you know, far more empathetic, I would say, and mm-hmm. open to listen and act upon employees' expectations. So what you're saying is a transparency, breaking maybe stereotypes, being there with people, where people are being available for a discussion. And it starts with the management team to lead by example in a way. Exactly, 100%. You have to be the role model. And uh, it starts from the CEO of the company for sure. But the CEO of the company is not uh, good enough. The CEO of the company will have to inspire and motivate the management board team and then the management board team to bring up the entire management team, I would say, to uh, adjust uh, into a far more human-centric uh, management profile. I have a question because I, listening into this, I'm like, yes. And it sounds, you make it sound easy, actually, Costas, which is very fascinating in itself. You also make it sound kind of self-explanatory, which I know for a fact that to a lot of people out there, it totally isn't. So I'm 
I'm again fascinated by this opening question from Svetlana asking you, have you always been like this? And I'm also, I have a second question for you. This is a cluster question. Like, when does it actually get difficult? Where are the pain points, you know, to, to try and have a real conversation about this? Yeah. When does it become hard for a CEO to be a role model? I would say in the beginning, because we have chosen to go the difficult, the, the patient way. So for you to uh, first transform employee engagement, hoping that this will transform customer satisfaction and eventually lead to mid-long-term sustainable growth, it is a choice, a strategic choice that to make. And you need to be patient because the result normally takes some time to see them being translated into business result. And this is the biggest challenge that uh, you face when you step into a new role, how quickly I can turn around things, how quickly I can have an impact in the organization. So this was, I would say, the biggest challenge in the beginning uh, to set a right time frame within which you are going to be tackling one thing at a time. I can tell you, employee satisfaction turn around first. Now we have started seeing that being translated into improving customer satisfaction. And it's not by coincidence that what we have seen in the last months also business getting back to growth as a result of customers feeling better with us and spending more with us. But it took, it took some time to get there. And you have to be patient and also you have the support of your shareholders. They have to believe into this journey as compared to you know, trying to deliver results in any uh, way sooner rather than later. So it is a trade-off that you have to do. There is a trade-off for sure. So We wanted to talk a little bit about like soft skills and hard skills, didn't we, Svetlana? Yeah, and I have just one question on my mind, Kostas. If you allow me, I'll just throw it out at you. When you had this transformation and driving it in Hrvatsky Telecom and crashing there, have you done it with a team that you had when you joined as the CEO? Or did you bring some new talents on board and promoted some people from within the organization to be a part of the journey along with you? And of course, you know, leading talent in Deutsche Telekom from the HR perspective, I'm also quite, you know, interested to know your opinion behind that. How did you go around that challenge? Did you bring some new people on board along with you? Yeah, for sure. I would say a combination of a number of different things. Yes, I brought in uh, some people from uh, outside the organization, mm -hmm. but I also helped a couple of uh, people within the organization uh, by making some structural changes to grow and uh, become part mm -hmm, of uh, mm -hmm. the management team. But I also work with uh, the people that I found uh, within the organization because what I realized is that the same individuals under completely different leadership mindset can really be fundamental in transforming the culture uh, in the company. So a combination, I would say, of external, internal, moving up some uh, people that did not have the opportunity so far, but also working with the people within the organization. The other yeah. thing that we did, going beyond the management board level, is along with my direct reports, we gave the opportunity to, to a few people, talents, as we used to call them within the organization, to shine. Shine in a sense of trusting them, providing them with more accountabilities, also restructuring our teams, moving more to uh, agile uh, principles, that would help mm. these people take over more things, work cross-functionally. So I can name at least three or four different cases in the last one and a half years of young people that uh, were really given the opportunity to help us 
accelerate the transformation of the company. You know, I think you are conveying a really interesting message, Costas, which I also truly believe in, that we as individuals fundamentally don't change very quickly, but when we have different surroundings, we behave differently. When you are in a forest and it's plus 10 and you want to run and jog and you have the energy, and when you're in Calcutta in India and it's super hot, it's plus 14 humans, you are tired. You know, and very often we have these environments in our corporations and our organizations where people are tired, you know, and when you change the environment, if you change the context, you re-energize the workforce and people want to run and go for it. So I think the message I got from you is to really fundamentally change the ecosystem, the culture, and let the talent shine and make an impact. I couldn't agree with you more. And this for me is the biggest challenge of every single leader, uh, how to convince people to voluntarily support the team uh, to deliver a against a, a purpose. This is the, the biggest challenge, but uh, you need to start by giving the people around you an opportunity to you know, opt in mm. and uh, support in this journey. Not all of them will be there. Not yeah. all of them will be willing to make the extra, I don't know, step or to transform themselves. But for sure, you need to start by giving an opportunity to the people that are willing to join you in this journey. And what I also love about what you've been saying so far, Costas, is you are also telling us that by trusting Yep. that people kind of will show up and will deliver. And then having the patience to kind of wait for it to happen, that in itself leads to the change. Honey, we're talking about teams. Uh, we rely on teams. I'm a strong believer of teams being uh, in a position to, to change things, to have the impact, uh, and especially in such big organizations as ours. And to build a team, you have to start by establishing trust-based relationships. So this is a precondition uh, for you to transform an organization, opening up yourself, allow them, the others to do that, becoming vulnerable. These are all things that are collectively create uh, a trust-based foundation. And once trust is there, then the team start accelerating the transformation journey. But can you actually give me an example of how you can establish trust? Do you have a story? Yeah, I mean... Some things, as I said, uh, are more on a human uh, level. So I really believe that to establish trust, you have to allow others to open up to you and you allow that by you doing that first. So one of the things, for example, that we did when we started this journey, when I came into Croatia, we as a team went off for a couple of days discussing uh, about ourselves, trying to find you know, the common connection points building together our shared vision on a team level, the vision that would motivate us and would inspire us to go forward. But for this to be delivered, we needed to create some kind of trust-based framework. Trust, as a result, as I said, of opening up ourselves, showing our vulnerabilities. These are critical, I would say, enablers of this trust-based relationship. So you went to, you're saying you went for a kind of retreat together with your gang. And you sat down and you shared. Yes, team alignment session, we called it, spending a couple of days opening up ourselves, getting to know each other, starting trusting ourselves. Trust cannot be acquainted from one day to the other, but starting the journey. And of course, building up on that. And what you are mentioning, of course, and it's so, it just rings so true, doesn't it? The idea that the best way to create vulnerability is to dare to go there first. Yes, to say something embarrassing or tell other people about how you tripped up or, or say something that is even challenging 
to master or something that you find difficult. Exactly. That's why I believe that one of the strongest attributes of a leader is humbleness. And this is what leaders sometimes challenge, how to balance, how to be humble, but at the same time being confident. But without humbleness, you are missing out a lot of things. You are missing out people, you are missing out opportunities to learn and to grow bigger. And for sure, you cannot establish a trust-based environment if you are always the one who blows your own horn the loudest, if you know what I mean. Okay, can I just share with you my just very, very unfiltered reflection here now? Because you are indeed Greek, aren't you, Kostas? Yes, I am. And here you are. I'm so sorry to be this stereotypical, but you're a male, you're Greek, and you're from a certain corporate culture. And here you are talking about humility and you're talking about vulnerability and sharing. Mm-hmm. I'm just brought back to this number one question the whole time. How did you end up like this? W- when did you take a stance? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was lucky. I was lucky, honey. You got lucky? <laughs> Who yes, made you uh, lucky? My wife. Uh, <laughs> I chose the right partner in life. And uh, I can tell you this partner has made me a better person, uh, has made me a better father and has uh, eventually made me a better leader. Still, long way to go. But as I said, I I feel lucky. And it it is important that you have the right partner in life. Of course, the way you are brought up, the values that are coming from, uh, from your family are extremely important. But As far as I am concerned, uh, my wife has been instrumental into making me a better person. What I think is also so modern about what you're addressing there, apart from the fact that, yes, a powerful woman will take you the whole way, I think the idea of the private sphere influencing our work sphere. We were just talking about working hours before we started the podcast, didn't we, Costas? Yeah. 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 And so you're saying the few hours that you do spend at home, they seem to be influencing your choices at work. For sure. And I can take it a step further. I mean, the fact that I am in Croatia is already a challenge on its own. So moving from Greece to Croatia, if my family would not be willing to join me and support me to spend time with me learning the language and to help me integrate in the society, it would be impossible for me to understand Croatians better, for me to be in a position to talk to their heart and bring up emotions. So, as you said, I mean, family and uh, your partner are critical in the way you, you know, develop as a leader, as far as I'm concerned. That's my point of view. Well, I love your point of view. Svetlana, where are we now? Where do you want to go? You know, first of all, thank you so much for openness and sincerity, Kostas. Really appreciate it. And I'm thinking about your statements when you said that we should allow people and we should give them chances yeah, to take and then blossom going forward. And I'm again reflecting from the inside in perspective that very often in the corporate environment, we all go for experience. Yeah? So it's a safe space. So it's safe enough to hire somebody experienced enough who's done it before, been there, done that, can take us forward. And it's quite risky and uncertain and maybe even new to hire somebody for potential. Somebody who has not done it before, but has the potential really to go forward and maybe potential to go two steps forward. What is your leadership, not a formula, but, you know, experience on how you judge potential and how do you make this balance between experience, have done it before, and then potential that you can do it in the future, but not yet. Yeah. 
Great question. And I have to admit that we in Deutsche Telekom have a lot of room for improvement when it comes to being daring enough to trust potential as compared to experience. But let me tell you which are the things that I look uh, for mm-hmm. when uh, I'm, I don't know, trying to identify talents because mm-hmm. this is a big challenge on its own. What I'm looking for is uh, for passion. Number one for me is passion. So passion to make an impact in the company, to bring a change in the community or the society as compared to just someone who is looking on how to step into the next level or the next role within the organization. That's number one for me. Second thing that I look is for what we call growth mindset. Growth mindset in a sense that uh, there is a strong belief, there is drive, there is willingness to constantly learn, moving out of your comfort zone, which automatically goes with you not having enough experience uh, Mm -hmm. in order to Mm -hmm. move out of your comfort zone determination, perseverance, that you will not stop no matter what obstacle you come across. For me, these are the two symptoms that I look first, passion and growth mindset. Then I start looking for other things like ability to inspire others. Mm -hmm. I don't know, work with diverse teams, Mm -hmm. which is uh, also a demanding uh, task or commitment to deliver on what you have promised. And uh, the last thing, which, as I said, I'm a strong believer, is uh, about humbleness, especially when it comes to young talents. So talents that are stepping into a meeting or my room, overconfident, they know everything and, I don't know, they, turn, yeah. they can turn the world around, makes me worry. Makes me worry uh, when it comes to how humble they are yeah. uh, to build a strong team around them, mm-hmm. how humble they are to listen and learn more and develop in their career, how humble they are in order to grow and reach their full potential. I love what you're saying. This word humility, humbleness as a, actually a leadership skill. It sounds like the opposite of what a leader should have, right? Because we're so obsessed with the idea that leaders should have authority. But what you're also taking us to now, uh, which I find is very fascinating and also something a lot of young people tell me when I talk to them about communication the idea that, you know, you, you should stay humble in order to be innovative and to create. Because if you're not humble, you're not going to be willing to listen to other people's ideas even. Exactly, exactly. So humility as an innovative tool and as a leadership tool. Exactly. And uh, as a tool uh, that would allow you to constantly grow into something bigger. Because humility is what will allow you to understand that no matter how far you have reached, probably what you have been doing is not going to be enough to take you to the next level. So there is more for you to learn. There are more things for you to develop in order to become better. For me, it is a prerequisite for a number of things when it comes to leadership. And probably the single most important attribute that I would look into a future leader. That's great, because that's where we wanted to go next. God, you're creating like segues here. So we want to take you to the idea of like leadership skills and even cultural traits, if you dare to go there, needed in the future, Costas. So take us there. What would be like a number one leadership skill that you would look for in a young leadership talent, like five years from now? Authenticity and empathy. These are the things that, for me, go without saying when it comes to leadership. Curiosity, hunger, constantly wanting to reinvent yourself, which comes hand in hand with being ready that you will fail sometimes. But try to fail fast and try to make the most 
in terms of learnings out of your failures. Stand up even faster and carry on. I hear your wife has trained you well. <laughs> yes, you see? <laughs> Fantastic. I love what you're saying. So authenticity and empathy as, as desirable skills for a leader in a telecom company five years from now. Yep. As the number one skills. Super fascinating. And can we dare to say anything? I know it's so hard to discuss this topic of culture. I mean, like who creates it and when does it stop and where does it even, how can we begin to, to quantify it? It's such a difficult topic. But if we dare to say something about culture, Costas, what are the traits needed in a culture for a corporation moving forward from 2020? Culture in what sense? Because as you said, it's very broad. I'm thinking about like, we are talking about talent development here, aren't we? So what kind of culture would foster, like the culture in the workspace, the culture that meets you on a Monday morning when you come in, the stuff that you know you agree with your colleagues on is like the deal around here, how we do things around here. What are the stuff that we need to agree on in the workspace moving forward? Yeah, I can start by telling you what I believe we have to forget And if we have not done that already, uh, we should do it sooner rather than later. And this is the result because we are talking about young talents. We need to focus on the target audience that we are referring to. And uh, it is a fact that a lot has changed in, uh, in the society uh, in the last years. I mean, with digitization and the type of change accelerating like never before. So there is a new generation as a result of the demographic change and social movements in an increasing connected world that uh, has brought up new characters, new personalities that are demonstrating, I would say, nomadic characteristics, changing jobs far more easily, for whom a secure workplace or the salary are no longer the most important decided factors, and who are not particularly impressed with the hierarchical status. So in order for you to be in a position to bring these people, keep these people and uh, grow them into future talents, uh, you have to forget about what we call command and control leadership style. So this is a thing of the past. And the sooner we get on with it, the more the chances that we are going to keep and attract the future leaders that everybody is going to be hunting, in general and in particular in our industry. So you're saying, uh, in a way, you're saying lower hierarchies. Flatter organization, empowered individual. And if I would pick one thing that I believe this future talent will be more aspired to is us, instead of focusing on the what to do and on the why to do, speaking about culture, having a, a strong purpose, having a purpose that would move us beyond just delivering the next year's financial results, but a purpose that uh, will resonate with them and will make them want it to work with us. I believe that we have the luxury of being in the telecom industry to work in an industry that can make a huge impact in people's lives. So this is a huge privilege that we have as an industry, but also a responsibility, and we have to live up for it. We need to make the most out of it, both in order to keep our people for a higher purpose, but also to attract the talent that we are missing where we are missing it. Let me take you to, uh, I think it's one final place, Costas, because we need to start uh, finishing off in a few minutes' time, I think. But because when we were speaking earlier, you and I, we started discussing the idea of, and that sounds a bit naughty in this connection, but going to like being competitive 
as a sense of something that also propels quality of deliverance and, and quality of uh, end product. Are you competitive? Would you consider yourself to be competitive? Very. Yeah. I hate losing. This is something that I don't have to be honest with you. Well, that makes two of us. And do you find there's a place? Is there a positive version of competitiveness that we can use as leaders? Yeah, I believe that if you use competitiveness as a self-reflection on, okay, what I could have done differently, what I could have done better in order to improve yourself, this is a good manifestation of competitiveness as long as it does not get into you and become a crazy perfectionist, So, which is a thin line and a balance. Yes, but for me, competitiveness has helped me during my career, not compromising, not getting on with what I have achieved, but pushing myself to the limits. Oh, great. It's one of those words. I find the right version of competitiveness to be incredibly inspiring. I also find the word ambition to be a very positive word if, if you use it the right way, you know. And I think you said something important about it not being competition against others. It can be just competing even with yourself, even just setting a new standard for yourself each day without falling into the pitfall of perfectionism. That's great. Yeah, and one of the sayings that I recently came across and I picked up, I put it on my board, is uh, doing nothing at all versus small, consistent effort has a huge impact, a huge difference on the outcome. Oh, I'm celebrating up here in Oslo. This is amazing. So rather than actually thinking that the change is going to come in leaps and bounds and be like paradigm shifting when it happens, little changes every day. Yep. Little changes, challenging constantly the status quo, challenging constantly yourself. This is my definition of growth mindset. Let me put it this way. Fantastic. Well, to put it this way, Costas, I mean, you're going to be doing something right <laughs> when we look at the results you've achieved. We are so grateful that you chose to come on the show and spend time with us. Svetlana, how do we want to take this one and round it off? I'm so humbled, Hannah. I think I'm yeah. old by the conversation. Costas, thank you so much. I think it would be you know, really rich to listen to for your people in Hrvatsky Telecom in Croatia, for our external visitors who might want to join your company in a few you know, days, weeks, and months. So thank you so very much. And from my side, to share that uh, we are on a hunt for talent inside Deutsche Telekom. We really want to uncover potential and find the people who could take us into the future of becoming digital and software-driven telco. Uh, check out Talent Hub on YAM and find out more information. Thank you, Kostas. I, I have a Thank final you. comment, Svetlana. I am just flabbergasted here. Did you hear the word that Kostas brought up? So I'm just saying this is, we are like some episodes into our season on talent and not for any one of the episodes did we plan for to discuss the word passion. And yet here it came again. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Number it one. just seems, you know, it just like passion and talent never will it be a, possible to put something between those two words. It sounds like they're like intertwined forever. For sure. And thank you very much for the opportunity and uh, looking forward to welcome more talents within Hrvatsky Telecom as uh, we believe internally our mission or our ambition is uh, to become the best place to work in uh, Croatian ICT industry and we will not stop until we get there. 
We believe you, Costas. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. To find out the deeper meaning of talent and its human aspects in business environments, subscribe to the Human Centric Podcast and stay tuned.